It's the Field of Vision podcast with your host, Jordan Eisen. How's it going, everybody? And welcome into the Field of Vision podcast. Joining me today is Justin Mason. He is on the Sleeper in the Bust podcast by Rotographs. He's the co-owner of Friends with Fantasy Benefits, and he's the founder of TGFBI, the Great Fantasy Baseball Inventational. So Justin, just tell me a little bit about Friends with Fantasy Benefits and really anything else you deem necessary. All right. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm Justin Mason. Uh, I'm co-owner of Friends with Fantasy Benefits, uh, which is a website that covers pretty much every sport uh, fantasy wise that you would want to, uh, to, to know about. So football, baseball, basketball, hockey, and curling. Uh, and we've got podcasts, uh, and, and written content on the site for all of those sports. Uh, pretty much, uh, that's my original venture. So, and it, it's with a group of guys that uh, originally started off as a, a dynasty baseball league and, you know, then transitioned into a website and podcast. And it's, uh, it's kind of my baby. And, uh, you know, you mentioned I'm, on the Sleeper on the Bus podcast with Paul Sporer and Jason Collette and Nick Pollock uh, over at Fangraphs. Uh, also do a podcast for TGFBI and run the uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, uh, which has been a really fun venture as well. So you do a lot of just great things in the community of fantasy sports. So not only do you uh, not only do you like just create programs and software that in like rankings and great fantasy advice, but you also do a lot of stuff as of community service. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think anytime you have a sort of platform, um, and I, I've been blessed with, uh, you know, a platform to uh, kind of, you know, get my voice out there, you know, you want to try to use it for good as well as your own personal benefit. And so TGFBI, uh, has been one of those things where it, it kind of started off as a way of giving maybe some lesser known fantasy sports analysts, fantasy baseball analysts, an opportunity to play against other people. And then we've also used it as kind of a fundraising uh, thing. So we, we raised money uh, this year for um, uh, an organization that I'm uh, really attached to called the Ruthie Lou Organization, which helps uh, bereaved parents that have lost children. Um, and, and raised uh, quite a bit of money. And then, uh, and then we did a pod-a-thon. Uh, so it was like a 12 hour straight podcast, a live stream, uh, where we raised money for, uh, uh, I believe it was, oh, uh, yeah, Meals on Wheels. And we raised like $6,000, uh, for Meals on Wheels. So, I mean, pretty, pretty amazing what the fantasy community will do when they get together. I know like Scott Fish over at the Scott Fish Bowl. Uh, which is kind of like the football version of TGFBI. I mean, he raised tens of thousands yeah, of dollars. It's huge. For yeah, it's it's amazing. And so, like like I said, anytime you can do good with you know the platform you've been go- given, I feel like it's um, almost like an obligation to do so. Uh, and it, it's really nice to be able to kind of you know w- raise awareness, but also raise money for for some uh, interesting causes. That's awesome. And I really respect you for everything that you do. I think it's just amazing that you work so hard and do all of these great things for the community. So let's talk some baseball now. Uh, it, we're only about a week into the season, maybe a little bit more, but we've already seen some teams like 
some teams limit their pitchers workload. I think especially the Braves and the Angels. Do you think do you know of any other teams that also do that and do you agree that the Braves and Angels do are will continue doing that into the season as we advance a little more? I think it's going to be really fluid. You're also seeing, you know, teams like uh the, the uh Mariners they're running a six-man rotation to kind of help limit the workloads. We're seeing pitchers from every team, but you know, teams like the Padres and the Braves uh, and the Angels kind of, you know, bring in relievers early uh, and and do what they can to kind of limit workloads. I mean, we'll see if the Angels can continue doing it now that Otani has had, you know, a little bit of uh, issue. Yeah, so uh, I, I think it's going to be really fluid. I think you're going to see times in which teams need to do that because there are going to be so many games just back to back to back. And now we're running, you know, seven and double headers at times. Uh, I think teams are going to have to be a little bit more cautious and, you know, because this isn't 162 game schedule, it's a 60 game schedule and you've got to, uh, you've, you've got to win as many games as quickly as possible because you fall behind, you're not going to have time to catch up. And so any, any signs of trouble, the A's are another team that, you know, any sign of trouble, they're just pulling their starters and going to the bullpen. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more bullpen games it's uh, really frustrating, I think, from a fantasy perspective, because uh, especially if you're running like a quality starts league, good luck getting those quality starts. I'm in a quality starts league and uh, that that category may be won by like seven quality starts, uh, which will be really, really weird and interesting. So um, it, it's, you know, it's part of the game. And I, I've been saying kind of all along this season, just embrace the, the chaos. You know, there's so many things we can't predict right now. Just have fun with it. So are you downgrade? The reason I ask about uh, the Braves and Angels in particular, and if you want to throw in the Padres, then them as well. But are you downgrading like the top-ish tier starters on those teams like Mike Soroka, Max Freed, uh, Andrew Heaney, Chris Paddock? Are you downgrading those guys? Because they're awesome, I think. Maybe even Dilly, Dylan Bundy. They're all really good. I, I believe so. But are you downgrading them like significantly since their teams have shown that they're willing to limit their workloads significantly? I mean, yes and no. I mean, Freed went, I think, six innings in his last start. I'd have to double check that. But uh, so, I mean, it, it seems like kind of the upper tier guys aren't as affected. It's going to be more the guys who, you know, maybe aren't uh, don't have uh, the long leashes that maybe some of these other guys uh, yeah, so like Freed went six and two thirds in his last start versus the Rays, so he doesn't seem, you know, overly uh, affected by it. You know, Soroka was a guy I downgraded just because of the short season and the lack of strikeouts uh, that he tends to get. Um, but from a usage perspective, I don't think he would be affected. Heaney, I definitely downgraded a little bit, even though I loved him and I, I was probably higher on him than most people in the industry already. So the downgrade just pro probably brought me closer to the pack. But I mean, if Otani isn't going to be pitching rest of the way, which I think could be a reasonable outcome of this injury, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Angels go back to a five-man rotation. You know, they, they already have five other pitchers in that rotation. Why not just stick with that? Uh, and so that would, you know, bump Heaney back up. 
it's so hard. I think you just got to go kind of player by player and go, okay, what do I think I'm going to get from this guy on any given outing? And, um, you know, as much as I'm one of those people that tends to like to really plan ahead, once I'm in season now, the season is so crazy. I think you just do the best you can to kind of just stay up on what's going on right now. So, you know, paying attention to, you know, what's going on with these COVID cases and uh, the way, you know, teams are using uh, players is, is pretty much the, the thing you got to do. Exactly. Like I dropped, this was a little bit ago before his like huge game, but I dropped Kyle Tucker for Jacoby Jones. And I don't know if Jacoby Jones is good and I don't know if Kyle Tucker is bad, but I have a really short leash this season, so it was a shallow league, so dropping Kyle Tucker wasn't that outrageous, but stuff like that you just kind of have to do this year because it's such a short lease. and if your guys aren't going deep into games really consistently, I don't really know what good that will do. Just pick up some middle relievers and they'll do the same job like, and maybe get more strikeouts and maybe get more wins. What do you yeah, think? definitely. They'll definitely get more wins. I, I, I've been talking about a league I'm in. Uh, I'm no longer last place in strikeouts, but for the first week or so, I was last place in strikeouts and first place in wins. Um, and it was largely because of those middle relievers. I, I made a plan that uh, I, I wanted to make sure, especially for that first half week, you know, since we started on a Thursday, uh, that I had as many players who could potentially pitch as as possible. And so I loaded up on a bunch of middle relievers instead of kind of taking, you know, dart throw starting pitchers at the end. Uh, and it worked. You know, I, I've got a nice little lead uh, in a number of leagues in in wins. I'm still hurting for strikeouts, but uh, it's, it's, you know, sometimes it's, you know, better if you can identify those guys that are going to be coming in, you know, after a, a starter that gets pulled after three or four innings, you know, uh, that you, you have a chance of, you know, kind of picking up one, uh, a few cheap wins. Exactly. And I kind of used that strategy in my league, the one where I dropped Kyle Tucker. Um, and uh, that league also has an innings maximum. So it's just free points if you use the middle relievers. But mm-hmm. who are some guys that you think, uh, give me some names. Who are some guys that you use to get wins? And middle relievers, if they go two innings every three days or so, that adds up. So who are some guys that get wins and also get strikeouts? They they won't be a zero. So if you use kind of a hybrid of middle relievers and starters, you won't finish in last of strikeouts. So who are some guys that you're targeting? Just throw some names at me. Yeah, I mean, this is a hard one because, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that I had been targeting coming into the season uh, because of injuries or COVID have now moved into the rotation. So like the guys who I originally targeted were, you know, uh, Tyler Molly uh, and uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon. But they're both now in the rotations uh, for, for their teams, you know. So guys that are still kind of uh, in that, that those long relief roles, um, you know, guys like uh, Yusmera Poteet, um, you, know, uh, you know, Austin Voth was another one who's now moved into the rotation, but he was a guy I had been targeting. You pretty much like go over to roster resource on fan graphs, look at the good teams. Uh, you know, Adam Plutko is is one. You know, he's a guy that uh I, I've gotten some nice rewards from because he's gonna come in if any of those Cleveland starters, you know, can't go deep. Uh, you know, or you know, in his case, I got a spot start from him. So that was, you know, really nice. 
but yeah, go over to like roster resource over on fan graphs, look for the guys that are on those good teams that, you know, potentially could be coming in uh, after, you know, let's say, you know, over on the twins, like a guy like Devin Smelter, you know, no one's picking up Devin Smelter in your leagues. I mean, unless you're playing AL only, but he's one of those guys that could come in and pitch three or four innings. If for some reason, like Rich Hill, you know, gets injured or uh, Randy Dobnak, like, you know, struggles, you know, after three or four innings uh, and, and kind of just get some of those cheap wins. But this is also one of those fluid situations because there's been so many injuries because of the COVID cases, you're going to have to keep kind of churning and burning those spots if you're going to continue with that strategy or just switch them out for, you know, guys who are like two start pitchers or pitchers with like good matchups. A guy like, you know, Matt Andrees this week has a nice matchup versus Seattle, uh, pitched well in his first outing. So like, you know, I, I jettisoned, uh, you know, uh, Ponce de Leon off my lineup because of the COVID cases in St. Louis and just picked up Andrees in a league and, you know, I'm rolling him out there or, I, you know, I, I streamed Kikuchi last week and that, that worked out really well. Nice. So, uh, you know, it's uh, one of those things where you just have to kind of really stay on top of things this year more so than maybe years past. I agree, but let me throw some names at you and they are a little bit higher owned than the guys you were talking about, but mm -hmm. I'm new to this whole middle reliever strategy. I think it's really interesting, but let me know if these guys are kind of guys that you're looking at and if they aren't, why not? And if they are, why? So Drew Pomerantz has been pretty good this season. Uh, Chad Green, Diego Castillo, Josh Tomlin of the Braves, guys like that. Are you? Would you be targeting them? Maybe Adam Kolarek. Kolarek. I don't know how you say his name. <laughs> yeah, but, that, that's a difficult one for the Dodgers. Yeah, guys like them, they get strike some strikeouts. Like all of them are hovering at about like four to like eight right now ish, which is not a lot. But if they can maintain ratios while getting that many strikeouts and you just load up your pitching staff with them. Why wouldn't that work? And they also throw in wins every once in a while. And maybe mm -hmm. Drew Pomerantz will get a save because he's going 1.3 innings or something. So guys, guys like that, like Pomerantz, Castillo, Kolarek, do those guys work for this strategy? I think they do. Like Tomlin was a guy that another one of those guys that, I targeted uh, in, in some of those deeper leagues where I was trying this strategy, especially early on in the season, um, you know, and, and Pomeranz I think is good. One of those good guys you can just kind of keep around because like I said, he's going to give you good, you know, like, you know, a little bit of boost in strikeouts, but good ratios uh, might sneak in a win, might sneak in a save, uh, you know, and I think if something happened to, you know, uh, Kirby Yates, he would likely just, you know, have a, a real shot at either being like a halftime closer. Or, I mean, it depends on, you know, Emilio Pagan, but he hasn't looked great mm -hmm. to start the season either. So, uh, but I mean, here's like, this is the thing. Like it's, it's an interesting strategy. I don't know that it, it would work super well in 162 games because, you know, once teams have a chance to build up starters, they're just not going to use those relievers very often, except for in mop-up duty where you're unlikely to, sneak those wins like you can do it now and i think maybe in a week or two you may not be able to do it you're just gonna have to move on and start going after starters a little bit more if you're looking for the wins and the strikeouts because guys will be more built up so 
it's more of like an early season strategy uh, that works a little bit better in this kind of shortened sprint. Um, but those are all names that, you know, Kalerik is one of those guys that uh, I drafted in the main event because the Dodgers had already, or were actually in the middle of playing uh, during uh, uh, my main oh, event right. or my and last main event draft. If you want to use them or not. Yeah. And so I could, you know, and I knew he was going to get the win already. Um, and so like in the 20th round, I just popped him, uh, put him on my team for that three game stretch. And then I dropped him. Um, but those are the type of things you have to think about, especially in this shortened season is, okay, how can I make the rules work for me? I think a lot of times people are like, well, fantasy is all about stats. Uh, it's all about player performance. And while, you know, there is some truth to that, it's also a game and you have to, you know, figure out the rules and make them work to your advantage the best. And I think that's the part that gets lost a lot of fantasy players. Yeah. And just to be clear, this strategy does not work in points. Don't try to do this in points. <laughs> it won't end well for you. But in Roto, if you win, uh, so say you, you do a hybrid because benches, this is what I'm doing this year. If benches are deep in the league that I'm playing in, load up your bench with good ratio starting pitchers like the Chris Paddock, Mike Soroka. We talked about how their innings are being shortened, but that doesn't hurt their shot at a win, shot at great ratios. It might even improve their ratios. So guys like that, I load my bench up with them and then I start relief pitchers. And if it's a daily league, then you can Mm -hmm. throw in your good ratio starting pitchers and then you'll win wins. Probably. I think you'll definitely win the ratios and saves might be a little iffy, but strikeouts could you could finish middle of the pack but then you'll crush in all of the batting categories because if you don't draft starting pitchers that early then you can load up on bats and it it's a really interesting strategy this year and i think it could work uh do you have anything else to add about the middle reliever type strategy i i think it can work too if you look at uh like both of my main event leagues right now uh they're doing really well in pitching the 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 surprising part is they're not doing as well in hitting uh in in spite of the fact that i I loaded up on hitters and and kind of decided i was going to pretty much uh devalue pitching quite a bit and so i'm assuming that once uh my hitters start getting it going i'm gonna you know start vaulting up uh towards the you know really top of the leaderboards uh in, in my leagues Um, And so like, yeah, I do think this was a viable strategy. I think there are other, I think the beauty of a a year like this is that there's a lot of viable strategies and we really don't know which ones uh, we're going to work coming into the season. And I I don't know that we even have enough information yet to know if they're going to win or or be good strategies, uh, you know, rest the way. But uh, like, this is the year to try different things. It really is like, you know, we've got a short season uh, you know, a lot of us are playing for less money or in less leagues uh, than we, we normally would just because of the variance. But this is the year to try something new for 2021 and kind of get ahead of the competition. Exactly. I agree. I think this year is just a year to have fun. Don't put don't put much money on it. It probably won't end well for you because <laughs> the Tigers, the Mariners, the Orioles, they're some of the best teams in baseball right now. And I don't know why, but they are. So 
just don't put money on it. Have a fun time with it. Try new things, I guess. But still try to win. So who are some guys that you think will help you win? Some maybe top tier guys that are performing way better than we could have expected. I think Corey Seager jumps out immediately. Maybe a Lance Lynn type. They're both, and if you look at the StatCast leaderboards, they are absolutely crushing in them. So like Lance Lynn is like first in XBA, first in X-Slug, second in X-Woba, second in X-ERA. So like, and then Corey Seager as well. He is, he, he, he has like a 350 average, I think. But he's underperforming. Yeah, 361. Yeah, he's underperforming according to StatCast. So guys like that, and if you have anyone else really, would you try to trade for them? If It sounds crazy considering 361 average. Of course he's going to regress. But like, what if he doesn't? You know? Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, buying in on guys that are just like overperforming. Um, and you know, and had a low price. Now, I mean, you know, there's always the guys that for me, like that I'm willing to buy high on are typically like the Nelson Cruises, typically like guys who I thought were going to be good. Lance Lynn is another great example. So, you know, guys that I had ranked high that my projections had, you know, spitting out like really good numbers um, and are doing really well. Uh, I don't mind buying high because I feel like I'm still buying that production as long as I'm not like over overspending guys like, you know, um, Dansby Swanson, guys like Corey Seager, uh, ones I had reservations, but are, you know, playing really well right now, unless I see like a really huge shift in some sort of metric or, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, they've changed, uh, you know, their mechanics. Um, and I start buying into that. Like I, I really don't like paying the extra price. Uh, you know, that's so much more exorbitant than, uh, it was on draft day, you know, and my, my big concerns with Corey Seager is that he has a hard time staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't steal bases. Now, I mean, the average is awesome and I do think he can keep that up, but the, the power is the part that, uh, is really intriguing to me. And, you know, obviously bats in a great lineup, um, and they're dealing with a few little, you know, nagging injury issues so he could start moving up it. I just don't know that in a shortened season, I want to take a guy with kind of a spotty injury history because missing any time and you're, you're going to have to make a real decision. I mean, we've seen teams have to obviously cut Corey Kluber, but you know, that they've got to make a decision on guys like Justin Verlander. That's your second round pick. Like, you know, if you're already thinking about having to cut your second or your first round pick, uh, because of injuries, uh, like why take a guy on your team that has a long injury track record that could just disappoint you, especially if you got to overpay for him? I'm just looking at Corey Seager's stat cast, and I would like to say that he has a 1.918 X slug on breaking balls. So <laughs> it's only I mean, it's, he's been great. Yeah, it's only four batted ball events. It's not going to continue. Mm-hmm. You. And that, that's the hard part. Is it such a small sample right now that you don't want to like super overreact to things? Um, it's definitely, you definitely want to look at the data and go, okay, he is hitting. It's not like he's getting lucky. It's not like Joey Votto's first two home runs, which like had like 
you know, exit velocities of like 90 miles an hour. <laughs> okay, well, th- that's likely not going to continue. Uh, but like guys like Seeger, guys like Eric Cosmer, you start looking at like their stat cast profile on top of the uh, the production, and that's where you go, okay, I'm not going to make a drastic move on these two guys that I didn't really like coming into the season, but I'm definitely going to continue to monitor and see, okay, is, are these things that are going to continue uh, or, you know, are they going to just go back into the pumpkins that they've been the last few years? Um, I still don't want to make major moves in those regards, uh, but I definitely want to be monitoring these things. So uh, Eric Hosmer, there was some talk in the off season that he would raise his launch angle, but mm-hmm. as the guy who consistently has one of the lowest launch angles in the league, I didn't really buy into it much. I knew it was a thing and it like could help him because he hits the ball pretty well. But now he, he moved last year. He had a 2.1 uh, launch angle. Now he has a 31.2 given, given that's only nine batted balls, but you don't like if you looked at his like game log, nine batted balls. I don't think you can find many where he had a, about a 30 launch angle. He, he is different this year. So you can monitor it all you want, but when do you start making a move on it? Like how, what does monitoring it really do for fantasy? Well, I mean, you obviously, you know, you've got to move quick sometimes, uh, especially this year. Um, and so monitoring also can mean like picking up and stashing. But, you know, so Eric Cosmer is a really good example. Hitting the ball hard, uh, hitting the ball with good exit velocity. Uh, It's not necessarily like bearing the ball. But like you said, like that launch angle has gone up huge. And a lot of people are like, ooh, okay, so he's hit a few home runs now. uh, Or actually, he's hit one home run. Uh, But he's, you know, the exit velocity's yeah, the exit velocity's up. The launch angle's up. But is 31.2 a good launch angle? No, it's not. It's actually a really bad launch angle in some regards. And this is like part of the stat cast, uh, uh, you know, craziness that comes on is people like see like these huge gains, especially in things like launching. And go, oh, you know, Yandy Diaz was another one. So, you know, um, but I, what I like to call it is, is the Ryan Schimpf effect. So Ryan Schimpf was a guy who always hit the ball hard, but always hit the ball with such a small launch angle that uh, he wasn't able to really, you know, tap into that power. So he worked with a hitting coach and they told him, raise your launch angle, raise your launch angle. And so he worked on raising his launch angle. He he took it too far, though, mm-hmm. and he started having these, you know, insane launch angles like about 30 percent, which is not what you want. And so what happened well, he just started flying out a lot. He had a ton of infield fly balls. And, you know, before you knew it, he was out of the league. But there was this quick spike all of a sudden that season where he started hitting homers and everybody's like jumping on board. Like, oh, and and but if you really looked and kind of, you know, and, and waited and kind of monitored to see, you know, what was going on. Yeah, sure. You want to pick him up, throw him on your, your you know, reserve list. That's fine. But if those, if those uh, you know, fly balls start turning infield fly balls or they start turning into pop-ups, like, uh, don't be afraid to like just move on, even if the launch angle stays huge. Yeah. So, this can really apply to this question can really apply to anyone. Like, maybe Dansby Swanson, maybe Corey Seeger, but let's talk some more. Eric Cosmer, I guess. Um, 
let's say he only has 10 at bats right now. So it's really not mm-hmm. enough to tell, but let's say he gets over this, uh, disease that he has not COVID disease that he was placed on the IL of, let's say he gets over that. And then in a month, he's still doing everything that he's doing right now. What do you do then? Do you buy him? Do you, if he's on your team, do you sell him? What do you do? Like if someone is performing and their stack cast kind of backs it up, what do you do in that case? Well, see, I mean, if you wait a month, it's going to be too late, right? I mean, <laughs> that means there's only a month left in the season um, and people aren't going to be selling. Um, so, like, I think what you have to do is uh, kind of pick and choose uh, and and kind of make decisions based on, you know, what you th- feel is legitimate now and go ahead and, ch- and try to make the move. Like, I, I tend to stay away from going after the- these kind of guys um, unless, like I said, like I've seen like a huge change in their profile somewhere uh, that makes me really confident that this is a legitimate change, um, especially in a shortened season like this, because, uh, you know, I mean, any any misstep you make could be disastrous. Any, you know, gr- you know, uh, any any decision you make that, you know, pays off big is going to be huge. Um, you know, so if you go get a guy like Eric Hosmer, who is like going outside the top 200 picks in in most leagues um, and he ends up, you know, returning second round value, like that's gigantic in a shortened season. Um, but the hard part about it is you're you don't have a whole lot of time to react. So you just kind of got to identify some of these guys that you think make a lot of sense and go get them either go put them, you know, pick them up off the waiver wire, stash them on your bench. Um, and, you know, uh, and then monitor from there or not like a guy like Eric Cosmer with a stomach situation. I, I'm probably just going to stay away because who knows how long he's going to be out for. And every, you know, week he misses is, you know, ostensibly, you know, an mm-hmm. eighth of the season. Um, and so at this point, it's just you're giving up too much value by even trying to roster him unless you have like unlimited IL spots because every team's being hit by injuries right now. So. Uh, but a guy like Dansby Swanson is much as, you know, I've hated the guy uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and I have a long, uh, long history of, uh, of me uh, disliking him. You know, he, you know, one of his largest issues has always been he, he can't stay on the field. Uh, he's healthy right now. He's hitting the ball hard right now. He's stealing right now. Like, I think you have to go get Dansby Swanson and just kind of ride the hot streak um and and hope for the best uh do i think it's gonna last i don't but you know once he starts to slow down you start seeing four or five games where he's going you know you know one for five you know one for four oh for three uh and you're like okay i think this it's time to jump off the train you just go ahead and jump off um and hope that you're right you know it's going to be a lot of guesswork this year just because there's not a lot of time for guys to prove themselves or unprove themselves it's tough especially this year to like trade because we just don't know but we're Mm -hmm. already you just said a week is an eighth of the season so we're in eighth of the way into the season it's kind of time to start making moves so who are some guys that you are willing to buy high on like are you willing to make a trade for Dansby and give up like because his owner is gonna want quite a bit from you so who are some guys that you're willing to give up a bit. Like who are who do you buy into and who are you willing to trade for? 
You know, I think I'm more willing to go the other way and say, you know, I mean, if if I can get Dansby Swanson for like, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good um, kind of comp for him. Uh, because, I mean, rarely are you going to see teams uh, that are willing to like do like straight across like, uh, you know, you know, here, I'll, I'll give you Marcus Simeon and you give me Dansby Swanson. Teams are like, would you go like doesn't... Ramon Laureano, maybe? You know, see, Laureano's a guy I wouldn't like and I'm not a big Laureano guy, but I just think the speed is uh, is is, you know, more developed and a better asset for him. And I think speed is a harder asset to get, especially in ro- uh, rotisserie leagues right now. So like, I don't think that that is something I would necessarily do. And I think that's too high of a jump. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, Dansby was going like, I want to say like outside the top two fifty, um, for a guy who's going inside the top 75, but like, you know, for instance, like, um, let's say I'm doing, you know, well on the pitching front. Um, and, you know, I might see if the guy go, you know, wants to, you know, uh, give him Mike minor, you know? Yeah, I would do that for sure. Um, uh, yeah. You know, um, give him Sean Mania, give him, you know, kind of guys in that, you know, third, fourth pitching tier area and go, you know, Hey, I, I spent, you know, a, a draft picked a hundred picks higher, but I'm more likely to make trades where I see somebody's been struggling that I do believe in and, you know, and see if people are starting to freak out. So when you start, uh, you know, looking, you know, I mean, if anybody's willing to sell low on Kirsten Yelich right now, like <laughs> go, go ahead and buy like um, those guys that you believed in kind of coming into the season um, that maybe aren't starting off like super fast. Uh that those are the guys that uh, I'm, I'm much more interested in uh, in kind of acquiring right now, as opposed to the guys that uh, have started off super hot um, and that people are going to want like a pretty penny for. Are there any guys that stand out as people that you are like in your leagues buying low on like that the general public seems to be kind of low on and you're just higher on them than them? So like, uh, I, I can't really think of anyone. Uh, let's say maybe a Josh Donaldson. I I don't know someone like that who's underperforming, but like mid tier. Who do you find yourself trading for a lot? You know, I'm not in as many trading leagues anymore because NFBC doesn't allow trading. Oh, okay. So I mean, to be honest, this is this kind of a difficult situation um or a difficult question you know Donaldson's one of those guys that I normally would like I'd look at his like what he's doing he started off the year hitting 182 he's only got one home run uh but he left with that calf injury and we know that calf uh injury hurt him a few years ago and really kind of derailed his career in a lot of ways you know for almost like a season and a half so I would probably be um unlikely to uh to kind of uh, go after uh, a guy that has any sort of injury issue right now. So like definitely those are the guys that I'm just completely scratching off my list um, in terms of, you know, going out and trading for, uh, but, you know, like uh, I'm just going to pull up like some random teams or something of mine and, and see like, you know, any guy that, you know, might've been 
someone that you you know here like we we talked about you say kikuchi earlier sure and like kikuchi was a guy i was like really high on coming into the season and he had that first start and he was awful well i mean part of it was like the level of competition he was facing like it was a you know he's facing houston got beat up a little bit but a lot of people like went and dropped him um and those are the guys like where i go okay he was a fringe draft pick to begin with for most people. Um, you know, wasn't drafted in a lot of leagues. Um, you know, had that like bad first start, and then people kind of just like said, "Well, I'm moving on." Um, those are the guys that I'm really kind of looking at right now because if I believed in him two weeks ago before the season started, why shouldn't I believe in him now? Unless you know, Dylan Cease is another guy. Like I believe in Dylan Cease's talent and skill. Yes, he has trouble finding the zone at times. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I, this stuff is filthy and I really like the catching situation with as many Grandal. So like, he's a guy that like, I wouldn't mind going and buying low on because one, he's either free off the waiver wire or two, like someone is going to be willing to just give him away for absolutely nothing. So, you know, you go and look at the last play offensive player on your roster and go, I don't know here, here, here's uh here's this guy. I know he's not very good, but there's Dylan Cease. I need a pitcher. You need a hitter. Let, let's, you know, figure this out. And, you know, and see if that uh, kind of works. Um, you know, Xander Bogarts is another guy who, like, started off really, really slow. And if you'd bought him two days <laughs> ago, you probably would have gotten a really good deal. Well, now that really do- good deal is probably yeah. <laughs> gone because he had the two home runs. But, I mean, it's kind of identifying guys like that that maybe aren't, like, blowing it out of the water right now. But you still have, like, a lot of faith in. Um, or at least you had a lot of faith in two days ago. Um or two weeks ago, like two weeks shouldn't completely change your opinion of most players unless there's some reason. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to trade for Craig Kimbrell, but Mm -hmm. it's Yeah. Because like, that's like, Kimbrell is a great example of like what you don't want to buy low on. Um, Like he was a guy who had a lot of warning signs coming into the season. Like, uh, like he, you know, he's, he was awful last year. He was awful in the playoffs in 2018 you know, and it's like, oh, well, but he's a cheap closer. There's a reason he's a cheap closer. <laughs> um, and, and now we're seeing kind of the repercussions of that. Yeah. Yeah. I drafted him quite often. And just while we're on the topic, do you drop him? Drop. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It, like, it depends on like the size of your league. So like in a 15 team league, it's so hard to drop, you know, Anyone. a guy that could get saves um at the same time like and the hard part is i think they'll give him another chance like they owe him a lot of money that bullpen is atrocious anyways like rowan wick is the guy who got the save the other mm-hmm. night like but do i really trust like him uh like he hasn't looked really good like jeremy jeffress is still kind of getting back into form after having tommy john surgery like i don't really trust like there's nobody in that bullpen i really trust and so, like, at some point, they'll probably give it back to Kimbrel. So, like, I have Kimbrel and TGFBI. Um, he's on my reserve list. I'm not dropping him quite yet. But if it starts to look like one of these other guys is going to lock down this role, then I'll just move on. I agree. I dropped him after – it was a very shallow league. So, I mm-hmm. dropped him after – Yeah, shallow league, you just Yeah, discard. I dropped him after the first uh, blown appearance. It wasn't a blown save, but – it was not pretty, so I dropped him after that, and I have no regrets. So, yeah. Well, let's take a quick break for an ad, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about 
how you know when to cut someone and maybe some guys who you might add in exchange for those cuts. And we're back with Justin Mason of the Sleeper in the Bust podcast. So Justin, tell me how in the world do you know when to drop someone? Like, I had Craig Kimbrell, and after his first appearance, I I was iffy if I should drop him or not. I ended up doing so, and now, of course, obviously, he is dropped in most active leagues. But after that first appearance, I really didn't know if it was the right decision. So that might not be the best example, but how do you know when to drop someone? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's difficult this year. I mean, everybody's kind of, you know, flying by the seat of their pants. I mean, it's really uh, comes down to how much you believe in someone and uh, and whether or not they're going to turn around or they've got enough time to turn around. So like a good example for me is, you know, I, I drafted Kevin Kiermeyer on one of my main event teams because I was desperate for speed um, on, on that team uh, late on in the draft. There weren't a lot of guys there. Uh, but I mean, he's just looked awful at the plate and so just moved on, uh, you know, picked up Bradley Zimmer, a guy that I've always really loved um, and, you know, has some you know speed to his game and kind of hope for the best. If that doesn't work out in the next week or so, you know, maybe I drop him. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot of churning and burning the, the bottom half of your roster. Uh, anybody with injury issues, you know, is pretty much an automatic drop. Uh, sometimes that's going to bite you in the ass, you know, for instance, like uh, I drafted Anthony Descalfani, he got hurt before the start of the season. And I went, you know what, I don't know how long he's going to be out for that Terrace major muscle um, typically can have like four to eight weeks worth of recovery time. So I, I dropped him. Well, now he's back. And unfortunately not on my team, someone else paid more in fab to get him back, but that's okay. I'd, I'd rather, uh, I'd rather make the mistake of dropping someone a bit too early than holding them on and accumulating awful stats or not accumulating, accumulating any stats uh, in a shortened season. Because I mean, at this point we're actually like, I mean, we, you know, most teams have played 10 games. So in a 60 game season, that's one sixth of the season has already gone by. It's like, you just don't have time to wait. And um, you know, I'm still not necessarily dropping like stars unless I see something completely wrong. So guys like maybe in the top 150 draft picks, I'm probably holding on uh, unless, you know, it's injury related. Uh, but mm -hmm. anybody outside of that, I think is cuttable for me if they're not performing. So before we talk more about guys that we can drop, let's establish like a hypothetical. So say that uh, who, who are some guys that you buy into of the, like big breakouts so far this year, like the Jacoby Jones, Kyle Lewis, Donovan Solano. I don't know. They just kind of popped out of nowhere. Do you buy into any of them? Kyle Lewis, I buy into in some regards. Uh, I mean, I think people forget, like he was a consensus, like top 20 prospect. Um, you know, he was the 11th overall pick in 2016. He just was never able to stay healthy and stay on the field which he did last year for really the first time. Um, and he's got a ton of power. Now, I mean, that strikeout rate is going to cause the average to crash. So, like, don't expect him to keep up this amazing 425 batting average. But, like, there's a ton of power in that bat. Like, I feel like he's going to get to enough pitches to, you know, you know, probably hit another seven, eight home runs. It's just a matter of at what cost for your batting average, you know, he plays on the, the Mariners. So 
like the runs scored in RBIs may not be um, as fruitful as I don't would know. Like. Look out for the Mariners. Their <laughs> offenses. It's a crazy season. Who knows? Their offenses look good so far. So it's looked decent, but I mean, there's just such a like dearth of talent on yeah, that on that team where it's uh it's it's it may be ugly um for them now i mean like right now they're like in the middle of the league in terms of like run scored so yeah i like, by the way i don't think it's gonna keep up i'm just saying yeah. who knows who knows who could. well and that's the thing like the crazy part about a 60 game season is uh like anything can happen like the giants last year one of the worst teams my favorite team um in in, in baseball uh like they were awful last year but they had a stretch where they were like 39 and 21 in 60 games yeah didn't they finish in like third place in their division i think and oh they, they were about they, 500. Yeah, third or fourth but i mean is the reason why they didn't make any trades at the trade deadline or yeah. any major trades at the trade deadline other than uh melanson was because they went on this hot stretch right before it and then of course you know faded after um you know showing that they should have traded Bumgarner, but Mm-hmm. That being said, um, like any team can get hot for 60 games. Like it's, it's, you know, I mean, these are all still major league players. You know, do I think a team like the Orioles or the, or the Mariners are going to do that? No, but like it Why also can't the Rockies. Be... Yeah, Maybe exactly. You know, the... higher. So yeah. yeah, like they're starting off, you know, you know, hot um, Detroit starting off hot. And like, and, and there's talk that they're going to start bringing up like some of their prospects. <laughs> Like that's a winnable division. I mean, maybe not a winnable division because I think Minnesota will run away with it. Second place or wild. Yeah, which is a playoff spot. Like second place in your division is a playoff spot. So like, like Cleveland hasn't looked all that great outside of their rotation um, so far. So like Chicago hasn't looked great yet. Uh, So like, why couldn't the Tigers, you know, make a run and finish in second place and? like, I don't think that's necessarily what they should be doing from an organizational standpoint, but it could happen. And I think there will be, you know, two or three surprise teams in the playoffs where nobody had them predicted to get there, uh, but just did because of, you know, the the 60 game schedule or, you know, whatever we're actually going to get probably closer to 50 games um, with the way things have been going, if we're lucky. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a guy like him, um, Aaron Savali, as you know, Zach Plesac have both really uh, surprised me with how amazing they've looked. So from a pitching standpoint, those are two guys that uh, I wasn't high on. Um, you know, my co-host Paul Spore was you know huge on Savali, and I, I didn't believe him, and I wish I had because uh, he, he's looked fantastic. Uh, but you know, Mike Yastrzemski was a guy that I don't think people were paying attention to, and probably still aren't. Like I think he's one of those guys you could still buy high on and still profit yeah. from. I was high on him. I, I would. Mm-hmm. I just want people to know that. Yeah, like my <laughs> one of my partners in the main event, like uh, he was really high on Savali and Yastrzemski, and like nice. we didn't take them because I wasn't that high on them, and I kind of yeah. wish we had. Yeah, um, it, it's too early for victory laps, but I've liked Mike Mike Yastrzemski for a while. So, mm-hmm. just saying, just putting it out there. And he's um, uh, like the, the team really believes in him too because, uh, like they were facing a lefty in Mike Minor the other day at home, um, and he was the only uh, only lefty in the lineup, and they had him batting third there. Like that's some that shows some real faith on a team that's really platooning everybody this season, 
you know, the, the amount that they're allowing uh, Yaskremski and Solano to both hit uh, in, you know, even when they're, you know, when they should be on the bench because of the, the platoon uh, issues um, shows, you know, at least tells me, okay, they're going to play, you know, they may not be able to keep this up at the levels that they're going. Obviously there's going to be some regression, but the team believes in them enough to know that they're going to play every day. All right. So you like Solano, right? Or like you buy into him at least a, like he's not going to bat 500 and have yeah. like uh, on pace for 150 RBI like he does right now. But you buy into him a little bit. If he's on your waiver wire, let's see who you would drop for him. If your worst player is like James Paxton, would you drop Paxton? No. You wouldn't? No, 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 no. Like, I mean, like, I like Solano and this, you know, some of the stat cast numbers are really interesting for him because he does make a ton of contact uh, and, I mean, decent contact. Like, you know, he's got an X batting average of 361 right now and a, a Woba of uh, 497, like, among the best in the league. And he's not striking out. Like, I think he's a really interesting guy. And, for instance, like, I streamed him this week in a couple leagues because he's playing the Rockies. But, like, he is a potential cut for me next week. Like, he's one of these guys where, okay, I like the matchups. I like, you know, um, you know, maybe the Giants are, you know, they're playing in Colorado or they've got a bunch of lefties coming up, um, you know, because they, you know, they're, they're going up against the Dodgers or going up against a team, you know, team like the Diamondbacks that have got a, a number of lefties in the rotation. Then, like, okay, I'm going to use them for now, but I'm, like, straight up ready to cut him if he starts to slow down, if – uh, I see someone else that's got better matchups next week. Um, like he's one of those guys that I think is a perfect example of just, you know, kind of churn and burn at the bottom of my roster. So like he's okay. on my team this week. He probably won't be on my team next week. Okay. Got it. But let's, I just want to know your threshold for dropping some guys who are like pretty highly owned, but have really struggled. So who's someone on the waiver wires that you like, really do buy into but you might find in like some leagues just throw someone out there like bradley zimmer so like bradley zimmer is a guy that i i've loved for a long time um and you know he's not lighting the world on fire right now but he's already got a home run got a stolen base in in just 25 plate appearances and he's playing pretty close to every day in cleveland okay so bradley zimmer say uh chris with a k davis is the worst guy on your team? Are you dropping him for Bradley no. Zimmer? No, I'm not. Like I, I love Chris Davis. <laughs> like it's um, you're definitely gonna have to. I mean, if you're playing in shallower formats, I mean, I guess you like Bradley Zimmer. If you're playing in a shallower format, probably isn't on your radar. Like he's yeah. just you know, unless he really starts to turn it on, which I mean, he could. But like you know, for instance, so like let's say I'm, I'm gonna throw a name you threw at me earlier. Uh, or, or you talked about earlier, like Kyle Tucker. Like, I got no problem dropping Kyle Tucker for a Bradley Summer type or a Mike Yastrzemski type. Okay. Like, if those guys are on my waiver wire and Kyle, you know, even though Kyle Tucker, like, most people who who got him paid a top 150 price. Mm-hmm. Like, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to move on. Edwin Encarcion, like, he's struggling at the plate. You ain't got time to keep that 140 batting average or whatever on your team. Like if there's a guy on your waiver wire that is 
hitting pretty well and uh um and you kind of are buying into what he's doing i got no problem dropping e5 all right so if you drafted him you know it's coming but miguel sano has had a really really cold cold streak so would you drop him uh, i'm just throwing some guys out there i he's a tough one but i have dropped him in the league yeah, he hit two home runs on Saturday, so I might hold on for a little bit um, and see if this is one of those. Like, if you drafted Miguel Sano, especially in a roto league, you know it's gonna happen. Like, yeah, like you uh, had to be prepared for like just an atrocious batting average. Like, you needed what we call over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits, like a pillow, which is a guy that you know offers a little bit of safety protection for you know, wherever they're weak uh, and typically it is batting average. So if you drafted Miguel Sano, if you drafted Joey Gallo, like you should have drafted some of these, you know, Howie Kendrick types, the the Brian Reynolds types that, you know, Brian Reynolds is a bad example because he's struggling to start the year out. Um, but like these guys who, you know, Luis Urias, um, guys that you're pretty sure are going to give you a nice batting average to counteract the fact that Miguel Sano is likely not going to. Yeah, fair. I tweeted about this and it sucked, but I dropped uh Kyle Tucker for Jacoby Jones, I think just cause it's, it's the shallow league that I keep on referencing. So uh, Kyle Tucker for um, Jacoby Jones. And then Kyle Tucker had like five RBI that next day. Mm-hmm. And then I also dropped uh Miguel Sano. I forget who it was for. And then he had two home runs and it was awful, but it happened in a few days later. I don't regret it that much because they haven't had any hits since. So I just think that you really need a short leash this year. And it's hard to tell how far that leash should, how long that leash should be. But I think it has to be pretty, pretty short. You can't, and, and you it, can't it becomes- have someone. Go ahead. Yeah, it becomes shorter depending on the depth of your league. So, like, if you're in, <laughs> if you're in a ten-team league, yeah, I think Chris Davis is cuttable. Like, you know, I don't play in ten-team leagues. I play in like one twelve-team league, uh, <laughs> and I like to me like it was a kind of a little bit of a culture shock uh, being so used to AL and NL only and fifteen-team leagues, and then playing in this twelve-team league and like looking at the bottom end of my roster and going, oh my god, like. Like uh, or looking at the waiver wire and going, like, there's so many talented players. So, like, uh-huh. in like some of these shallower leagues, like, you obviously have to raise your level of uh, um, who you're willing to cut, who you're not willing to cut. So, if you're playing in a ten team league, like uh, a lot of people do on ESPN or twelve team leagues, um, which I think a lot of home leagues uh, tend to be ten and twelve team leagues. Like, like if someone's, I mean, let's let's say the cutoff in a ten or twelve team league is probably like a pick one twenty. Sure. So you're you're talking about your first ten rounds. Those guys are probably safe. Everybody else, like if they're not performing and you don't believe they're going to turn it around like right now, then they're they're below whatever line um, it needs to be like your your cut line. So like you know, I'm just on the NFBC page. Like, what's the you know? Here we go. It's the Edwin Diaz line. 
Yikes. Yeah. You know, I, Edwin I, Diaz I, is cuttable. He was a top 120 draft pick this you year. <laughs> you like, I, yeah, he's cuttable at this point. Like if, if you, if you don't believe he's going to get the rollback, you know, if you're yeah. in a 10 and 12 team league, yeah, you cut him and you move on if you, if you don't, and it doesn't seem like the Mets want to give it back to him. So yeah, I think he's probably, you know, Brad Hand. Here's another one. Like Brad Hand struggling. It looks like Karinchek, James Karinchek is likely to be the next man up. Like you can cut him if if you need if you if you see someone better on the wire um that uh you know is giving you stats right now and, and not hurting your your ratios. Yeah, I think both of those guys are, are cuttable. What about like uh Wilson Ramos for Christian Vasquez? Would you do that in any league? Yep. You would? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, you know, how much Ramos, do you buy into Vasquez? I don't buy into him a ton, but like, I mean, just like teams can be, you know, outperform their, you know, preseason projections, players can too. Uh-huh. And right now he's hot. And it's not like, okay, like, I mean, I guess Wilson Ramos could get hot, but it's like Ramos is like a stud at the position. So, like, yeah, I, I you know, would I drop. You know, I'm trying to think of a catcher like who's Will a little Smith. bit higher. Yeah, would I drop Will Smith? No, I don't think I'd drop Will Smith. But Wilson yeah. Ramos, like, what he he played a full year last night. I think he had nine home runs. Like it, <laughs> like I mean, or uh, 14 home runs in 524 plate appearances. Yeah. One, he's not going to get even like the prorated version of 524 plate appearances this year. Um, and two, like. Like that's like four home runs. Like how much of a difference is that? If you like, let's say he gets it together and hits four home runs the rest of the way. Like, are you really going to beat yourself up over that? Yeah, exactly. And what if he just underperforms for the whole year and has like three? Yeah. And I mean like the early totally possible. Yeah. The early season underlying stats for him aren't great either. I mean, he's got over 30% strikeout rate swinging outside the zone 45% of the time. Uh, he's making contact at almost 10% less rate than he did last year. A swing and strike rate is like 15%. Like, like those aren't like things where I go, well, you know, he'll be fine. Like he's just getting unlucky. No, no, <laughs> he sucks right now. Yeah. Um, and maybe he does get it together, but maybe he doesn't. Yeah, I, I agree. It's just sum up what the threshold should be in. So whatever size league, can you sum up what your threshold for ad drops should be just in a could Can you sum it up somehow? Is it possible? Yeah. Let's, why don't we do this? Why don't we say 10 rounds? So if you're in a 10 team re- league, you know, hold on to your top hundred picks right now. If you're in a 12-team league, your top 120 picks. Your 15-team league, top 150 picks. Um, but as we get farther into the season, you know, two weeks from now, you're going to have to lower that to, you know, probably your first seven rounds. Yeah. But, um, and then, I mean, obviously, if there are guys who, like, um, who you were much higher on than the field and uh, – and, you know, they're struggling right now. Like, you can obviously hold on to them because you believed in them. Like, I assume that either you're listening to people you really, really trust and getting your information just directly from there, or you're doing your own work. And if you believe in your own work, you believe in the people who are giving you stuff. And they said, you know, um, you know, I'm just going to, like, scroll down to, like, you know, they said Nick Solak, you know, 
was going to be really great this year. Well, he's outside of that top 150 picks in my 15-team league. Um, I need to cut him. If you did the work behind that, like I did the work on Nick Solak, and I mean, outside of the two stolen bases, he hasn't been very good. I'm still holding on to him. Yeah, I like him. You know, because I believe in him. And, you know, a guy like Carter Keyboom, like another one of these guys, it's like, okay, I still kind of believe in it. He just he just needs that full-time, you know, those full-time plate appearances. Now, if he's not getting full-time plate appearances by the end of next week, yeah, he's gone. Um, but I still believe in the talent. And so I'm going to hold on for a little bit. So there's exception to every rule. But I would say, yeah, 10 rounds at this point is probably the cutoff, no matter what size league you're in. All right. That makes sense, I guess. Like, it, it's really weird having to cut guys who we thought of studs. Not studs, really, but, like, guys who we thought of as probably reliable, like, two weeks ago mm-hmm. are cut it, are being cut now. And it's weird, but you, if you want to win this year, you have to do everything really fast and a lot faster than what you would hope for. So, yeah. Um, on a different note, we aren't cutting Ronald Acuna, Christian Yelich. No. Of course not. No, no. way. No, but I mean, no. Uh, of course we aren't cutting them. But would you buy low on them? Or? Absolutely. Okay. Like, yeah. I mean, if I can get even just a few round discount on any of those guys, yeah, of course I am. Like, I mean, um. I'm. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go like, like if I've got uh, Keston Hira, and I'm like, okay, I've already got another second baseman that's you know pretty good because I, I drafted Brandon Lau and he's looking great. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I need an outfielder uh, or I need a first first baseman in Bellinger's. Like, yeah, like I'll, I'll see if if someone wants to do a straight up like Acuna for Hira or even like Hira and like a smaller piece. For Acuna or Yelich or Ballinger, I'm doing it in a heartbeat. What about like Judge for one of those three? I'd still take all those three over Judge, and uh, and I wouldn't mind. Yeah, just because the injury history is just so bad. Yeah, me it's too. Just so I, bad. I agree. Um, I agree, but it's I, I don't know. It it's the same sort of thing with the short leash. It's just hard to tell. Uh, some other guys who are doing like really well this season. Uh, would you go Trevor story for above any of those three? Mm, I think that's where you start going. Okay. I think those are like, yeah, know, air trades. He was a know? late first rounder, early second rounder, and he mm-hmm. has been on fire and these guys have not been on fire. So yeah, would... I got no problem either way in that, in that regard. Like, okay. you know, I think all three of those guys will bounce back and Acuna did hit a home run over the weekend. So maybe he's starting to, um, but like, I don't think like, like it's egregious either way. Yeah. Though the top top tier is really hard to buy low on. So let's talk mm-hmm. about some other guys like a Marcus Simeon type. Maybe um, are you, are you like afraid of him just not trying to trade at all or, how would you go about that? I like Marcus Simeon. Like he's a guy that I've always been a big fan of. Um, you know, it's disappointing like right now what's going on, but I'm not like super worried about him. He does take a little bit of a hit in the shortened season because part of his value yeah, is tied up accumulator. in he has an accumulator and he hits at the top of the lineup. So it's about like how many plate appearances he, he can get. Now, 
hitting at the top of the lineup will still net you 50 more plate appearances than someone hitting the bottom lineup in a shortened season. Um, and so like that can still have value, but, uh, I mean, he does look a bit lost at the plate and like, he's trying to swing his way out of it. Uh, I think he'll be fine. And I think he is a guy I would buy low on. I think he's one of those buy lows where people would be like, okay, fine. You know, I was thinking about cutting Marcus Simeon anyways. Um, and so you can get him, maybe stash him or even continue to run him out there. Cause I think the A's will continue to run him out there. They don't have anybody else who can play shortstop like him. Yeah, exactly. Um, but some other mid round by lows that I'm thinking about, uh, Carlos Santana, would you like, where, where do you draw the line of guys that you would buy low on versus just like hold off and kind of stand far as far away as you can? Cause you're worried that they're just going to blow up. It's, I mean, I think it's, you know, player by player dependent, you know, Carlos Santana is one of those guys where I feel like he's got a long enough track record where I feel comfortable that he'll turn it around, um, you know, but he's also one of those guys that have had, you know, full seasons in which like he hasn't delivered good batting average, but he still delivers everything else. So I think like if you were expecting the 281 from last year, like you were bound to be disappointed anyways. Mm-hmm. So but it is a case by case situation. Yeah. OK, so. Good to know. Um, something I forgot to ask you about when we were talking ad drops in pure 2020 fashion. Um, how do you assess someone? Uh, we don't really know about, about the Cardinal situation, but say it was a week ago and the Marlins breakout was bad and we knew they were going to miss like five games. How do you like, do you just throw someone like, in a really deep league, do you throw like the leagues that you play in? Do you throw Corey Dickerson on your bench or do you cut him or some someone like that? Jorge Alfaro. Jorge Alfaro is a little different because he's on the IL, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think guys on the IL, you can definitely just kind of get rid of. Um, but like, for instance, like, you know, when this all happened, I had like picked up Pablo Lopez and Eliza Hernandez for streaming uh purposes and like i just jettisoned them off my roster like that's Mm -hmm. you know i just you know i don't know what the situation is i mean and especially like you know cardinal situation is a really good example of what we just went through miami because we have no idea when they're going to start playing again we know that today's games and i think tomorrow's games have been postponed um and we have no idea who's tested positive Mm -hmm. and so like you know a guy that i had been you know holding on to because he did join the rotation was Daniel Ponce de Leon. Well, now he's going to be gone, you know, unless news comes out that kind of specifies who's positive, who's not positive, more importantly, um, and when they're going to start playing. But I mean, there's a real chance Cardinals don't play the rest of the week. So, you know, I made sure in my weekly leagues to take all Cardinals out of my lineup and, um, and in, in other leagues where I could make pickups uh, right away. Um, you know, I jettisoned any guy that wasn't really like, you know, stud potential. So, you know, I kept the, you know, Tommy Edmonds of the world um, and guys who I think have really high upside or, or you know, mainstays on the team and the Tyler O'Neill's of the world, uh, um, you know, the Ponce de Leon's of the world. They're, they're, they're on the waiver wire and it, that bites. If someone benefits from it later on, fine. But I, I'm not taking any zeros. So do you drop Colton Wong right now? Or like a, a Yadier Molina for someone out there, catcher's tough. But would you drop Wong or Molina? 
I definitely would drop Molina. Um, Wong kind of depends on who's on the waiver wire and, and what your depth situation. But like right now, like, let's say, um, like, uh, like, you know, Donovan Solano, for instance, like if I could just drop him for Donovan Solano right now, I probably would. Um, okay. Just because I don't know, you know, and hope maybe I can get him back after this Colorado series, but I'll take the chance that Solano has a big Colorado series and that I can get Wong back as opposed to taking a zero or, or, uh, or having, I definitely don't want to take a zero. There's only 60 games. You take a zero for four games, and that's that's de- really detrimental to your team. Yeah. And this season's so weird. You just have to actively make moves and make moves that make you uncomfortable. Like, mm-hmm. I did not want to drop Kyle Tucker for Jacoby Jones, but I did it. And I, it sounds weird, but I don't regret it at all. And it's just, I did not feel good when I made that move. I did not feel good when he had like five RBI the next day, but it's something now I'm fine and I can keep on cycling through outfielders, not stuck with Jacoby Jones, but until he cools down, I'll just, I would rather have Jacoby Jones than Kyle Tucker and it's tough. Like, yeah, I mean the ah. people who are the most proactive are going to have the most success this year. And yeah, I mean, I think here, here's the thing that people really need to start doing is stop looking at names. And, you know, I mean, looking at track record, you can definitely do. But looking at names is 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 entering your own bias about what you feel a player is in your head. So, like, if you just start looking at, OK, this is what they've done. This is what their underlying numbers say, um, you know compared to this player, you know, and kind of a blind, you know, comparison without the names, you know, it made a lot of sense to drop Jacoby Jones or to pick up Jacoby Jones for Kyle Tucker. And I would stand by that. Yeah, exactly. It's, I don't know. I keep on saying it's so weird. So just like have fun with it. Hopefully we'll never see this again. And it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to let Jacoby Jones carry you to the playoffs or something <laughs> absurd. So uh, do you want to plug your stuff? Tell the people where to find you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. You can find me um, on Facebook. Uh, I'm there. It's a public, uh, public page. So, uh, and then uh, I'm on the sleeper in the bus podcast, friends, fantasy benefits, baseball and football podcasts. Uh, and the uh, TGFBI podcast. Uh, I do most of my writing over on uh, Fangraphs, uh, on the Rotograph side of things. Uh, I write typically um, about 10 to 12 times a week. So a lot of content over there. Uh, Taking kind of today off, feeling a little bit under the weather. So uh, just, uh, but usually you'll see, you know, two daily columns each, you know, four days a week. And then, um, at least, uh, two columns on the weekend for me. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's about it though. All right. Great. And I love your work. It was great talking to you. You can find me at FOV underscore sports on Instagram or Twitter. I'll talk to you next time, but until then Eisen out.